Well, thank you. Welcome. Good to see everybody here today. Uh, as he said, my name is Scott, and it's my privilege to share with you today. We're excited to partner uh, with Justin and to see what God is doing there in Maitland, Florida. And that's not funny. Jokes like 65 degrees, you know, and you're trying to raise money. You don't do that. Don't talk about winter badly about Idaho, and you really need to work on the beard. I mean, he has like a Mr. T starter kit, right? It's like just trying to get going. He doesn't have a manly Idahoan beard, right? Like some guys do, not me, because it comes out white and I look like Santa, but that's a whole other story altogether. So uh, it's just good to see everybody here today. We're going to continue on um, in our series, Power in Weakness, and we talked about how this is kind of a paradox, right? I mean, how do we have power in our weaknesses? But that's what God talks about him. The Apostle Paul talks about as he, he breaks down a second Corinthians. We're going to continue in that uh, today, talking about how we're, we, can be, we can be cracked, but we're not going to be crushed. And last week, Travis, uh, he spoke on, on verse number seven mainly and talked about how we are all just jars of clay. We're all jars of clay, but when we look at our lives, many of us, we have some cracks. We have some cracks in us because of things that have happened. And so what do we do like when that happens, when our life feels cracked? When it feels like, man, life's just not going the way that I hoped that it would. And I feel like sometimes as you look at, at, at a cracked pot, you see little bitty lights can, can, can shine through there. But for some of us, we're going, man, I've had a lot of hurt in my life. I've had a lot of struggle. And today we're going to talk about the question at the end of why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, that's an age-old question that many of us, we've wondered about for a long time. I mean, it just doesn't seem to make sense. And I think a lot of times we ask the question, why? And really, we should be saying, what? What do you want me to learn from this, Lord? So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 through 12, and then we'll kind of finish off with 16, 17, and 18 at the very end. If this is your first time here at Rock Harbor, thanks so much for being here. If you're just kind of coming in, checking this whole thing out, and you're like, I'm not sure about this whole church thing, not sure about this whole Christianity thing, not sure about these church people. I've met some of those people. They can be weird. Um, that's us, right? But we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll just kind of sit back and listen today and, and, and hear what God has to say for all of us, uh, because we believe that there's something here for every one of us as we talk about our power and weakness and power through our pain. All right. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse number seven, it says, but we have this treasures in jars of clay uh, to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He goes on. Here's another paradox. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Another, another paradox. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Another paradox persecuted, but not forsaken struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. The life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, Jesus' sake, so that we have the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12. So death is at work in us. I love this part. But life in you. Jesus came to give us life. And even though we go through difficult times, sometimes we find amazing treasures in difficult situations. I read a story a few months ago about a couple who was, went to the dump in Laramie, Wyoming. And as they got there, they were getting rid of a bunch of different stuff. And, and they saw this old bed frame there. This, this headboard was there. And they're like, wow, that could be a really cool headboard. And they thought, you know what, maybe we should take that back. And maybe we should restore that, that headboard because we could make, turn it into something that might be beautiful. 
And so they got rid of all their stuff, and then they got over to where this headboard was, and they, they tried to lift it up, and it was extremely heavy. And they were looking at it like, why is this thing so heavy? And they're like, you know what, we, let's just get it up there. Let's get it in the truck, the pickup bed, and we'll just take it with us. So they finally got the first leg up and over the edge of the pickup, and they kind of sat it down there. But as they, they hit that, that very top of it, there was a cork that was in the bottom of one of the legs. And all of a sudden, once they got half of the headboard in there, all these gold coins began streaming out of the bottom of this hole. And they were like, wow, it's amazing. I wonder if the other side's like that. So they lifted up the other side, and they got into the pickup truck, and they sure enough, there's a cork on that side as well. And all these gold coins from the 19th century, someone had hollowed out this headboard and placed them up in there to save for a rainy day. To which we say, let's go to the dump. I mean, who knows what we might find there, right? I mean, there was a hidden treasure in this headboard that they had no idea, and certainly the person who dropped it off had no idea. I think our lives are like that a lot of times. You see, our lives are a hidden treasure. We don't always know the path they're going to go. We don't always know the plan that God has, but we know that he has a plan. He's got a purpose in everything that he does in our hearts and in our lives. Sometimes we feel like we've just been hollowed out through different difficult times, through hard times. We feel like, man, I don't know if I can keep going anymore, but when God is placed in the middle of that void, that vacuum, that hole, it's amazing how his plan takes off in our hearts and in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What what does that look like? Here's the first thing we need to understand and know, right? God permits us to be cracked, but not crushed. God permits us to be cracked, but not crushed. Now, now, some of us here today are like cracked pots. Not a crack pot. That'd be a different thing altogether. And that, that'd be a whole other message and a whole lot of other things, right? But, but we're all cracked pots. For some of us, we may not look like much. Like we look at our life, and we're like, ah. Oh. And for some of us, we have all these cracks that are in us because of different things. But God says we will never, no, never be crushed. We'll never be crushed because God has a plan in all of these things. He goes on in a few verses and, and he says that we might be cracked because of a few different reasons. Maybe we're cracked because of personal pressures. He says this, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. The word afflicted um, has to do with the meaning of being confined by walls. There are times in our lives that we feel like the walls of life are coming in around us. You ever felt that before? It's like, man, you're in this situation, and you're like, I don't know what the correct way out is right now. It reminds me of that great spiritual movie, Star Wars. If you remember, like Han Solo like, and Luke Skywalker, they were trying to rescue Princess Leia in the very first one. Are you with me? Do you remember this? And they end up in a garbage compactor. Now, how many Star Wars fans do we have here today? Any Star Wars fans at all? Okay, several of you, okay? How about Star Trek fans? Nope. Okay, moving on, all right? There's a reason for that. Okay, my dad was a Trekkie. That's why I like him the way I am. We didn't have DVR, and I couldn't watch what I wanted. I had to watch what he wanted. Okay, so in this movie, right, the walls of the garbage collector are coming in around them. And Han Solo, look, they're trying to figure out a way to find things to prop against the wall, but as they do, nothing works, and it's getting smaller and smaller, and smaller. And then Chewbacca, he lets out like this Wookiee noise, like, or something. That's not very good. Don't send me emails that I did it wrong. I know I did it wrong. I've already had people tell me. 
And they're thinking, what's going to happen next? And the walls begin to come find in, and they can find in, and they can find in. But then the hero, R2-D2, he finds the power switch, and he turns it off. And they're able to get out, and they're rescued. Life feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? feels like, man, the pressures of life are just all around me. Maybe it's a financial pressure. Maybe it's a pressure in, in our marriage. Maybe there's some kind of disability. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe it's at work. We have these things that are just coming in around us like, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Which is exactly what the Lord wants to hear. Because we can't do it on our own. So there are times that we feel cracked by the personal pressures. Maybe we're cracked by the personal frustrations that we have in life. For some of us, we have frustrations that, that happen and take place in our life, and we don't know how to deal with them or what to do. Paul says that, that you may be perplexed, but not driven to despair. Now, the word perplexed is used in a, in a business context here, that his creditors, maybe they were wanting to not let him leave anything because of, of the poor situation he had left his business in. And it felt like, man, I got these frustrations that are all around me, and I don't know what to do with these frustrations. I don't know how to handle these frustrations. And when we get to this point, what do we start doing? We start asking questions like, okay, God, why, why is this happening to me? I don't understand, Lord, what you're doing with this. I don't understand why I'm in this situation right now. And these frustrations come out. And he says, you know what? You might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. I have an answer for you. And let me tell you this. It's okay to ask questions to God. It's not a problem with that at all. You know, I started thinking about John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was the guy who actually baptized Jesus. Okay? He had walked with him. Heaven had opened out and, and, and told him that this is the son of man who was coming for him. He heard the voice of the Lord. But yet while he was in prison, do you know what John the Baptist was asking? Is this really the Messiah who is to come? Are you really the one who is going to come and be our Messiah? Or should we look for someone else? To which God replied, you've actually seen him with your eyes? You baptize him with your own hands? And you've heard my voice. It's okay to ask questions. It's not okay to be in despair, though. It's not okay to allow our frustrations to get us to a point where we just want to give up and not move forward. Reminds me of Job. We think about the story of Job, and as we think about it, most of us, we kind of know the story a little bit, that, that Job was a guy that was following the Lord, doing everything he was supposed to do. And God and Satan began to have this little this conversation at one point, and he said, is there anyone that I can try or test? And God said, you can try my servant Job. Unbeknownst to Job, all of a sudden, Job had this wonderful life. Had a wonderful wife, kids, had an incredible homestead with all kinds of cattle had wealth beyond measure. But one day, God said, go ahead, you can try him. And one by one, Job lost his, his kids. He lost his livelihood, his cattle. He lost his family. He lost his home. And his wife looked at him, and you remember what she said? Why don't you just curse God and die? And Job said, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to follow and to serve him. Job 13, 15 says this. It says, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. 
Job said, I'm going to just continue to trust him no matter whether it's good or whether it's bad. And we watch God continue to bless Job's life throughout it. But it wasn't easy. You ever been in a point of despair before? A point where you just don't know what to do next? Know this, you're not the only one who's been there. And God's right there with you every step of the way. I heard this quote from Barbara Johnson. She said this, talking about unanswered questions. She said, I'm glad God has all the answers because I barely understand the questions. And that's so true. I'm glad I understands all of it because I don't even know what the question is half the time. I don't even, under, I can't make sense of that. And when we get to that point of, of despair, of just wanting to give up, it's like, God, what, do you, what do you have for me next? God says, I just want you to look up. Just look up to me because I got a plan in all of this. I just want you to trust me. God's teaching us lessons all along the way. He says, you may be cracked, but you're not going to be crushed. You may be perplexed, right? But you're going to continue to give up. Don't be in despair. The next thing he says, number three, is you may be cracked by personal attacks. Paul wrote this. He said, you may be persecuted, but not forsaken. Now, now the word persecuted um, it, it literally means, or forsaken, it literally means the practice of hunters of tracking down a wounded animal. That's what it meant back in that day. And so Paul, he certainly understood this, because if you remember his life, he had people who did not like him at all. He had these people called the militant Jews, who would follow him around from town to town to town, wanting to take him out. They didn't like what Paul was sharing They didn't like what he was sharing with with people and giving them hope in this. And they really wanted to get rid of him completely. He understood what it was like to feel like he was forsaken. He had been persecuted, but not forsaken. You see, in our culture and world today, most of us don't have that type of persecution. Last time I checked, um, most of us are not worried about losing our life because of our faith. That was a real concern for the Apostle Paul. It's been a real concern for many believers all throughout the years. There's a book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you've never, you've never read that book, it, it's not a real encouraging book, but it, it talks about how people literally died for their willingness to stand up for the cause of Christ. They were willing to take a stand. And where we live today, we don't really struggle with that. I mean, most of us, that's not a reality. We still struggle with a different kind of persecution. It's much more subtle, right? It's much more subtle. Typically, it's, it's words that are said to us, maybe in a sarcastic tone, or someone making fun of us, or maybe they have what I call keyboard courage, right? They'll, they'll, they'll text things, or they'll email things they would never say to your face. It's amazing sometimes, the emails that we get, we're like, wow, that is amazing. That's awesome. So encouraging. Thank you for that, right? We didn't like this song today. Why? I don't know. We didn't like this song. We didn't, okay, awesome. That's the kind of persecution we feel today. It's not real heavy for most of it. Not real heavy at all. There's an old saying that says, sticks and stones may what? But do words hurt? Absolutely words hurt. I think I would much rather get, have a, a broken finger or a broken arm than have one say hurtful words. That's what we call them in our house. Those are hurtful words. Hurtful words. Those words hurt. Because most of us, we can recover quicker from a broken bone than we can from something that's been said that's hurtful to us. Probably in your mind right now, you could think of something that someone said that you still have a pain or a scar from. I know I can. 
I've had people say things to me, and I'm like, man, that hurt. You know what hurts the most is when it's from someone that we love. It's difficult to deal with. Like, why are they feeling that way? My intent was not that. My intent was good. Paul said, you may be persecuted, but you will not be forsaken. You see, you'll be attacked, but you'll never be abandoned by God. The fourth thing that we learn in this passion is that you may be cracked by personal choices. Now, this is something that comes to us, right? Maybe some of us have made choices that we've had to pay the prices or the consequences for when we've made some of those choices. And Paul wrote down that, that he had been struck down, but not destroyed. Now, the word struck down, it came from the gladiator games back in those days when they were fighting to the death, and someone would be either giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down for whether they were going to lose, win. If they wanted to give up, they could say, hey, I'm done, I'm done, this guy, I don't want him to kill me. And that's where that word actually comes from. You see, Paul had been knocked down many times, but he had never been knocked out. For most of us, we've been knocked down before, but maybe never knocked out of the game completely. There's going to be days that are difficult days. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7? He said, the things that I wish that I would do, I don't do. The things that I wish I would not do, those are the things that I do. He understood affliction. He understood persecution. He understood what it was like to say, you know, the things I wish I would do, I don't do. The choices that I'm making are not the right choices. And the things that I don't want to do, those are what I end up doing. And for many of us, man, we we have a lot of hurts because of choices that we have made. We have to remember, even if we've made the bad choice, the wrong choice, that God still overcomes those choices when we turn to him. I, I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know what's going on in your heart or in your life today, but God does, and God loves you, and he wants to help you through whatever you are working through. When we get knocked down, the most important thing is not that we got knocked down. It's that we get back up again. It's like, I get knocked down, and I get up again. Well, sorry, that's not a church song, I know, right? But as I was going through this, I couldn't help but think about it, right? I get knocked down, but I get up again, and I'm never going to. Okay. That happens. The most important part is that we get back up again. It reminds me of that very spiritual movie that was written in 1976 and filmed in 1976 called Rocky. There was this unnamed, unnamed author and writer and actor named Sylvester Stallone. And he went around and he pitched this movie to literally several different studios and nobody wanted to shoot this movie. But Rocky continued to believe, Sylvester Stallone continued to believe it was a great movie until finally one studio took a chance on him. They filmed it in 28 days, and it cost him $1.2 million to film that. You know how much money they've grossed off of Rocky, the very first one, from 1976? $117 million. And then from it, there's been continuing to go on, Rocky II, Rocky III, Rocky IV, in 2006 was the very last one. 30 years after the first filming of Iraqi, 30 years later, he's still fighting. We're not sure how. I mean, it's like he's on some kind of something. I don't know what it is, right? But he's still going. And why do we love the movie Rocky? Because he was not the best boxer. He literally got his brains beat out over and over. Why do we love Rocky? Because he continued to get back up again. Apollo Creed, Ivan Drago, Mr. T, they were all bigger, stronger, faster than he was. But he continued to get up again. That's why we love that. My personal favorite, Rocky IV. 
Ivan Drago. They're in Russia, right? You remember this one, right? It was filmed in where? Idaho. Didn't know that, did you? It's filmed right here, over the other part of the state, but still, Idaho. And Ivan Drago was an incredible boxer. I mean, he literally beat him over and over and over, and he would just continue to get up till the very end of the movie, right? And all, even the Russians were chanting, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. How's that happen? It's a movie. That's how it happens. It's exactly how it happens. Makes you feel good. What happens when we get knocked down? We need to get back up again. We need to get back up again. Because in life, you're going to get knocked down. And Paul said, hey, you may be, it may be the personal pressures, it, it may be the personal frustrations, it may be personal attacks, it may be personal choices that have knocked you down, but know this, I have overcome the wicked one. Here's the thing, friends, this is a fixed fight. It's a fixed fight. We know who wins in the end. God does. Satan doesn't. God does. So the fight that we're in, we need to continue to get back up because we know who wins the fight. We just have to stay in the fight. And the most useful thing that you and I can do is when we get knocked down is to get back up again. So how can we survive these experiences? I mean, how do, we, how, do we, how do we go through all these different cracks that we have? How do we deal with that? As we go on, we find out what we need to do in those different situations. You see, because God has a purpose in our pain. He's got a purpose in our pain. He's got a purpose in your pain. He's got a purpose in my pain. And it's that old question of why do bad things happen to good people? I believe through this text, there are three things that God wants us to understand. There's three things that he wants us to know of why that actually happens. Number one is is that pain forces us to rely on God alone. Our pain, it forces us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on God alone. Guys, this is a struggle for us. Because we think that I can take care of this, I can do this, I don't need anybody else's help. Just let me handle this situation. I've got this. It's a control piece. It's a pride piece. I don't need anybody else's help. God says, I'll allow your pain to happen, so we have to turn to him and to rely on him and him alone. It's a difficult thing for us to give up control. It's a difficult thing for us to get rid of our pride. It's a difficult thing for us to humble ourselves and say, God, I'm just going, I'm going to trust you. I'm all in. I give this over to you. Paul writes this. He says, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Verse 9 of chapter number 1 says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises us from the dead. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah was a guy that God told to go to Nineveh. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell those people all about me. And what did Jonah do? He went a different direction. He went to Tarsus. He said, I'm not going that direction. And what ended up happening to Jonah? He ended up having to jump off of a ship into the middle of an ocean and getting swallowed by a large fish. And the Bible says in Jonah 2.1, it says that then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. You see, his predicament forced him 
to rely on God. And like Jonah, many of us are hard-headed. We think, I got this. I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. It's a sad deal. And we don't understand and we get frustrated and so we say, why God, why God, why God, why God? When we should be saying, what God? What do you want me to know? What do you want to teach me through this? The next thing that our pain does is it it focuses our attention on heaven. Verse 16, it, it says, So we do not lose heart, that through our outer self, is, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though our outer self is going away, our inner self is being renewed every day. 1996, I graduated from college. And I went to go work at my very first church. And I worked for a guy named Ronald Stores. He was out in Washington, and he was a church planner. He had planted a church in Montana, and, and he moved his family. He planted a church out in Everett, Washington. And, and I thought, man, this is a great opportunity to go work for a guy who loves God, loves people. And I got to see some of the behind the scenes of his life. When I got there, he had been in ministry for almost 30 years. And I remember getting to this church and seeing what God was doing there and seeing how he loved people, seeing how he loved God's word so much. I remember one day I was, was actually in his basement. He had a treadmill down there, and I looked at his treadmill, and it was covered with notes, and it had people's names on it that he was praying for in the church, and then it had verses that he was reading and memorizing there together. And every week he would change those things out. He was a man who followed God hard. He loved God deeply. And he loved God deeply. He wanted to do everything he possibly could to tell people about Jesus. And personally, he had, had personally led over thousands of people to Jesus in their living rooms, in their homes, by knocking on doors. He was a guy that I greatly looked up to. He also happened to be my father-in-law. Some of you are thinking you couldn't get a job without your father-in-law hiring you. That is true. We'll talk about it later. Okay. About six years ago, he was preaching. He'd retired from ministry, and he was preaching, and he was at a different church, and, and uh, he started to lose some of his faculties when he was teaching through things. At the time, he didn't know it, but later we discovered that he had a mini-stroke at that time. And that mini-stroke led to the onset of dementia. I have a picture of my wife with him last week. One of the godliest men I know and doesn't know his daughter's name today. And I ask myself, God, why? How does a holy, righteous, loving God allow a guy who followed him all of his days, did everything he possibly could to love his family well, to love his church well, to love people well, Gave his whole life. How does he get to this point? And then we go visit him at the home he lives in. And they call him pastor still to this day. And then he begins to pray in the home that he lives in when they pray for dinner. And he's still got it. And as a kid, 
being able to watch a man who's loved God and loved people his whole life so well, he's one of my heroes. But I still go, God, I mean, but why? We're at this weird stage of life of trying to make sure our kids launch into life and you're taking care of your parents. You're like, man, I didn't sign up for this, Lord. I'm out. I don't understand all of this. And friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through, going to go through. I don't know what you've been through. But through it all, what God wants us to know is he's going to allow things in our life to happen to help us fully rely on him. And secondly, to focus our attention on heaven. Because one day, my father-in-law, he's going to be in heaven. And I'm going to see him there again. And he's going to have all of his faculties again. God's using him even to this day to minister to those people that he's living with. Third thing that we understand and know that God wants us to know through this is that our pain forms us to be more like Jesus. The pain that you have, the pain that I have, it causes me to be more like him. He says in Philippians 3.10, Paul wrote, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, the only way to become more like Christ is to go through difficult times. As we go through difficult times, it draws us to be more like him. Where does your strength come from? Your strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from our possessions. It doesn't matter what house we have. It doesn't matter what our kids do. What matters is what Jesus has done for every single one of us. Friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if this, like, this whole church thing's new to you and you're like, ah, I don't even know how I got in this place. You have this feeling going on. What is it? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to take your hurt. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you help. And he wants to give you healing. And that can only come through the power of Jesus. You see, God loved us so much that he allowed his one and only son, Jesus, to spread his arms wide open and to pay for the sins of the whole world. Does God understand pain? He watched and allowed his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay for our sins. Why did he do that? Because he loves us. He loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. He understands your pain. The person sitting next to you might not. Maybe somebody else doesn't, but Jesus does. And what he's saying is, I want you to hang in there because I've got a plan for you and your life. I don't know why you're here today, but God's got a plan for it. He's got something for every single one of us. Paul Bilheimer, he wrote a marvelous book entitled, God Doesn't Waste Your Sorrows. The price of the the book is worth just the title. This is what he writes. He said, there is no way Christ-like character can be formed in a man without suffering. If he refuses to allow himself to go to the cross, he will remain hard, self-centered, unbroken, and therefore unchristlike. He says, whole unbroken men are of little use to God. Resentment and rebellion to suffering only waste one's sorrows, whereas a humble acceptance and brokenness allows the creation of an eternal weight of glory. I love that. It's an eternal weight of glory. You see, God uses cracked pots. He might use cracked pots too, I don't know, but he uses cracked pots. Why does he do that? 
Because he wants to allow the light to shine through the cracks, to shine the glory of God to the world. He wants to use your life. But the choice, it's, it's up to us. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you have a son or a daughter who's going through a difficult time. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe the marriage didn't turn out like you thought that it would. Maybe the child didn't go the direction you thought that it would. Maybe that career. Maybe it didn't happen. You know what God wants you to be reminded of today? You may be pressured, but you're not in despair. You won't be crushed. You may be perplexed, but you won't be left in despair. You may be attacked, but you won't be persecuted. Because God has overcome. It's a fixed fight. He wins in the end. Where does he have you today? What's going on in your heart, your life? You say, I just need to surrender that to him. Because he's right there and he's waiting. Let's pray today. Father, we love you and we're so grateful for your word. God, we're thankful that, that through the cracks of our life we'll never be crushed. God, that you've got a plan. You've got a purpose in all of it. Father, it's far beyond what we could think, what we could dream, or what we could imagine. God, I pray for those who may be here today that are just trying to figure out this whole, this whole Christianity thing and what it means and who you are. God, I pray that you'll give them the courage to have a conversation with someone even today. Maybe it's just to check a box and allow a conversation to begin. I pray for those who maybe they know you, but man, there's some things they just need to, they need to confess or just turn over to you and to trust you with. God, give us the strength. Give us the courage to do that today. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.